the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, show 47. 9th of February 2012, coming to you from SW8, love, loss and lattes, lots of lattes. You guys have no idea how many administration roles I apply for in between doing these shows from one week to the next. And uh, then I attempt to turn out a show that, since I came off Twitter, has lost three quarters of its listeners. And I'm thinking, you know, you guys, you guys are demanding. I mean, I'm supposed to tailor covering letters to apply for London's most mundane roles and tweet all day. Come on. Be reasonable. Help me out here. Uh, just on my way in this afternoon, I was caught up in a slipstream of uh, this this most awful smell belonging to this tramp about 30 metres ahead of me. I hadn't, I, I don't think I've ever seen him here because he was an old school tramp. It did make me think that one thing I certainly can't do in the future is uh, work with the poor. Um, not 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 when it's that bad. Not when they've fallen that far. Um, I think if I'd, you know, been the Messiah a couple of thousand years ago, I think I might have struggled with that too. That that aspect of the Messiah role, I don't think I would have excelled at. Reminded me actually, when I was a kid, there was a tramp in Clapham, the only tramp that I can remember, an old school tramp. I vividly remember his face. He looked old beyond his years. He had this massive beard. Always used to carry this sack with him. We used to see him every day. Never forgot him. Never forgot him. I'm, I'm sure the way I remember his face is exactly the way that it was. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, in an attempt anyway to, uh, going back to the Twitter thing, to shore up listening figures, I will be tweeting the show links every Thursday. Uh, that's it, though. Um, just contact the show via email if you want to contribute items or song overkills and so on, because uh, uh, right now I just don't have the time to be trawling through tweets to... to get your contributions i'm sorry about that i think scaling things back though has helped me uh that well i've had one interview this week another one tomorrow more of which later i kind of think uh i think mcnulty in series four of the wire um although <clears throat> the thing about the uh, series four of the wire actually was arguably the best series of the wire and dominic west who plays uh played mcnulty to his credit uh, in an interview, acknowledged that he felt it was down to his character not being in it so much. He'd never been that happy um, being based out there to record the wire. I was constantly pestering David Simon to give him time off. It finally came, I think, during series four, uh, where he went off to film 300, and he was hardly in it. And I don't think it was any coincidence that that was the best series. I think, you know, McNulty's character was a decent character. But uh, as uh, as I discussed with a friend a while back, of all the characters in The Wire, he was probably the one that you would find in any run-of-the-mill cop show. You know, the, the alcoholic, the broken marriage. He he wasn't great. His accent wasn't great. Uh, but, you know, to his uh, kudos to uh, Dominic West for, for being honest about that. Anyway, I uh, hope you're all well. Um, what a cold week, eh? What a cold week. My bedroom. I don't know what else I can tell you about my bedroom. It's so cold, and I think it's why my sleep is so broken and disturbed i've got the hat on that gives me a headache after a while i'm having to sleep in a hat the hair is getting misshapen the hair as you know uh um as i said last week pointed out to me that it's very big at the back and it is but it's just being pulled out of shape by the hat 
Uh, I get under the covers every night, 50, 50 uh, togs to, to, to listen to shows to help me get to sleep. Every week, uh, actually every week when I remember, I'm going to plug a show that I listen to under 50 togs worth of bedding. This week I'm going for Steve Allen, LBC bite-sized show. Bit of a queen, very bitchy guy, talks about celebrities. It's not really my kind of thing, but years and years ago, Steve Allen kept me company when the losses started hitting me. He'd have a show on in the small hours of the morning back then. I'm going back nine or ten years and the fact is, he's a very funny guy. It's frustrating that LBC's podcast, uh, <clears throat> there seems to be a bit of a disregard for them. I guess they're not a priority, I understand that. But uh, right now, for the first time in a number of years, they are offering daily, on a daily basis, 15 minutes of Steve Allen every day on iTunes. I, I thoroughly recommend uh, you listen. He's a very, very funny guy. Obviously, listen to this show first before uh, uh, giving Steve Allen uh, a try. I've um, I've been trying to convey over the last few days that I'm working from home. I've been doing this, uh, you know, because I've got no net curtains. So uh, neighbours, I am visible to neighbours, particularly the guy uh, uh, across the yard from me. And uh, just before I uh, came on air, I, I was making myself a salad. And uh, I got a pot of cress and I just started cutting some off of my salad. And uh, I don't know, uh, cress is very cheap, but... I've only come back to it this year after a 30-year break, and I, I I like to think that by using Cress, by putting Cress in my salad, I'm conveying the impression that uh, I'm doing better than I really am, and uh, I'm hoping that this guy's noticing that. I'm hoping that this guy's thinking, well, you know, he's he's well, he's in the house all day, but uh, he can't be struggling. He's eating Cress, but the cold, uh, the cold, yeah. I can't, I can't deal with the cold. It's becoming a bigger problem as I get older. I don't think I used to be this bad. And uh, I'm heating up the room for about uh, last night for about half an hour before I went to bed, just just so I can get some semblance of warmth before I go in there. I, I, I can't handle it. It's, uh, I've got a speaker for my, uh, for my iPod. A little, uh, I don't know what it's called, um, and an, it's called an X Mini. The cable on it is restrainingly short, but you know, otherwise it's uh, it's very effective. It means I don't fall asleep with headphones on anymore. You know, wake up my ears are sore. But uh, when I finish listening to a show, I'll I'll slip my hand out from under the bedding, uh, and I'll plonk the iPod back on the uh, bed table, and I feel the cold, and I can't get over it. I can't get over how cold that room is. We're into February now. Uh, I suspect it's going to get worse this month. Uh, this, you know, to my credit, I anticipated this. I looked at the layout of the house. I looked at the type of heaters that I had, and that's why I was determined to get uh, get out of here before the winter kicked in. I didn't. The winter's here. I'm dealing with it. Um, but uh, I'll definitely be out of here by the summer. I've got to. I can't do another winter here. And another thing, uh, and this has been going on probably since my uh, mid-20s, maybe. I can only really sleep or come close to sleeping properly when I'm sleeping on my front, which, uh, you know, slipping my hand under the pillow, give me a dead arm. But what it's done is kind of messed up my eyebrows. Now, you know, for guys, I think as you get older, your eyebrows get bushier. I always used to get complimented of my eyebrows, and they're still formidable considering my age. But they require more shaping now after years of sleeping on my front. And, you know, I've got one or two friends who get their eyebrows done by barbers. I don't think that's something they offer so casually at salons. You'd probably have to pay for that. But uh, I'm assuming that 
uh, a barber might use a comb and a razor and trim them a bit like sideburns but I feel like once you green light a barber on your eyebrows there's no going back after that and the eyebrows are going to go uh, they're going to grow back differently aren't they so uh, I don't know that's maybe a decision I'm going to have to take in future So last uh, Thursday night, uh, the same night show 46 came out, I was back in the cafe. And remember I said on last week's show that it looks like somehow, out of nowhere, I'm suddenly exchanging hellos with uh, another cafe regular who I've barely talked to over the years. Decent guy, but you know, the whole kind of thing about not wanting to erode my uh, anonymity in there. God, I struggle with that word. Uh, He's a bit of a raconteur. He's not up there with the young raconteur who's hit the cafe twice in the in the last couple of months. He's not as dominant in conversations. I guess that's because, uh, you know, of his age, he knows that you've got to uh, give the other guy a chance to talk to, unlike the uh, younger raconteur. But he's a raconteur nevertheless. Uh, I didn't give him the hello that night, last Thursday night. I didn't want him to get used to it. I remembered a, a story from an old friend of mine who uh, used to be a prison guard, and he once told me that, on occasions, he would give gum to uh, prisoners, but th- there was one particular prisoner who grew to expect that, and uh, one day the prisoner asked him for some gum, and uh, my uh, my old friend refused to give him any gum, and he just didn't want the guy getting used to it. He didn't want the guy expecting the gum, and I think that's what I was trying to do last Thursday night. This guy, though, the uh, the the cafe guy, I think he'd be great at a party. He'd be everywhere. I think he'd be talking to everyone. Even if you were half his age, he wouldn't care. I think he's that kind of guy. When I was a kid working at Woolies, there were often security guards down there. A lot of them would come from the north, and they, you know, they, they're a lot of Liverpudlians, actually. And, you know, they'd be in their 30s, and we'd be knocking around with them, we'd be going drinking with them. Obviously, they didn't know anyone in London. Uh, and they were great storytellers. They were great company. I was, uh, it was a big thing for me, meeting their Liverpudlians at that age, because obviously I was a massive Liverpool fan. Uh, a massive fan of Scouse drama at the time. There was a lot of Alan Bleasdale stuff on Channel 4 and Willie Russell stuff. Um, but yeah, that's what he reminds me of. Uh, earlier in the week, there was a couple that came into the cafe, and of course, he, he already speaks to them. He speaks to just about everybody in there. The couple came over to him. I don't know whether they felt they needed to uh, uh, go over to him. They said hello, then rather smoothly proceeded to their own table. And I looked at that, and I thought, yeah, that's impressive, but I'm not sure whether I could pull that move off. I'd find that awkward. I mean, if you know someone particularly well, you might feel that you need to grab a table and push the tables together. Then you're getting into the worry about the whole who's going to pay for what kind of thing. I'm just better off on my own in there. Last night I was in there. We exchanged another hello. I'm just trying to keep it at that. I'm suspecting he's looking to to build on that hello soon. I'm anticipating... uh, that line of attack. He's going to ask me a question. He's going to ask me something. We're going to get into a conversation. It's uh, it could change things. I, I spent all summer, f- you know, fighting to protect what I'd built in there. I had my friend's mum hounding me in there throughout the summer. I can't go back to that. Can't go back to that. <laughs> oh yeah, you're listening to the Daniel Reese Tyson podcast, and in my case, from the other side of the globe. 
show 47 love lost lattes lots of lattes uh ways to get in touch with this show uh, drop me an email drt at westegg1607.co.uk you've got the facebook uh, group if you're not a member ask to join and uh, i'll add you on or you've got the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com time now for this week's song overkill you know how this works uh, basically i ask you each week for which song you've been playing uh, overplaying rather and uh, for what reason um, uh, email from Pete Domican in regards to my choice last week which was New Orders Sooner Than You Think from the uh, Low Life album I think uh, Pete wrote hi Daniel totally agree on comments on New Order Low Life is my favourite a- uh, album and their live performances were variable to say the least I saw them many times at their heights Pete um, I basically said that I thought New Order it, it, sometimes they were brilliant live I think I might have made a sound there which will make sense later and you order were brilliant live on their day but too often they were pretty poor uh, so I, I, I don't I, you know I'd like to have seen them live but uh, I wouldn't have expected much I think from from the gig I've got to say uh, this week I'm going for uh, an Irish band the pale and their song butterfly which uh, I absolutely fell in love with in the summer of 92 had a beautiful video, a uh, very strong mandolin uh, lead in the song. Uh, three guys, um, the lead singer, uh, shaven-headed. Uh, there was another guy with one of those uh, shaven-headed looks, but with a big fringe at the front, which even then looked a bit dated. But it was a, a very, uh, very uh, nice little song. And I think they really sort of disappeared without trace. I haven't Wikipedia'd them or anything, but I never heard anything from them again. I bought the album didn't feel the album was up to much but that song alone was worth uh, the 10 or 11 quid I would have spent at the time our drugs are Miss Ella Simone is back uh, with her song Overkill this week uh, hello Daniel hope your productivity is better since your Twitter break and that your book is coming along as it should I've been listening to this for the last two weeks I woke up one morning teary eyed from a dream uh, she says she didn't re- uh, doesn't remember the dream with this in my head I think it's really beautiful and nice to see a new English artist with her own style um oh god what's her name i might have to click on this i think her name is leanne if i remember rightly because uh when ella sent this to me i checked it out let me just uh check the tune out oh you might have heard a blast of a jules holland there this is leanne la havas so she kind of looks latin sounds latin very nice song uh solo artist just her and a guitar uh very pretty singer Uh, And a really nice song. And I think Ella, uh, didn't she, a few weeks back, she sent in uh, her song Overkill was uh, a woman and a guy on a guitar. So uh, seems like she she really likes this kind of stuff. And uh, I I, I think this song is uh, worth checking out. Uh, And I've uh, just lost the title again. But the the tune is Leanne Le Havas. And actually, I'm going to have to have a look at this again. Let me just get the title for you. Got into a bit of a muddle here. Okay, Leanne... Uh, you, Jules Holland again, Jesus. Uh, Leanne La Havas, uh, L A, second surname H A V A S. No room for doubt. These these people with the two surnames, they're, they're, don't they just wind you up? Uh, so Leanne La Havas, no room for doubt. Uh, anyway, says Ella, hope you're well, and that we'll be seeing you back on the Twitter in the not too distant future, Miss Ella Simone. I do miss uh, Twitter. Um, and Ella, with her infamous uh, cockbat stories, is one of the tweeters I miss the most. And uh, good to have her back on the show. I like to think, actually, maybe in heaven, people just uh, 
spend their day tweeting. I could do that. So long as I didn't have to break up the day with some job hunting. I'd hate it if they make you work up there after everything you've gone through on Earth and they still make you work up there. And uh, I wonder if you'd have to wear clothes. I think Twitter, if, if you had Twitter up there and also if you've got invisibility powers. The thing is, the mistake most people make, and it's usually guys I think who want to be invisible. I, I, I don't think I've ever really heard a girl say they want to be invisible. But guys, the way we think, we want to be invisible. And, and for an obvious reason. But most guys think that being invisible is enough. Guys, you know, they want to be invisible. They want to be able to see naked women or naked guys. But they don't realise that that is no good without the power of being able to walk through walls. Otherwise, you're still going to be needing to break into people's houses to see these people getting undressed or doing whatever they're doing in their bedrooms. You're going to be making lots of noise. You're going to lack the breaking in skills unless you're a quality burglar. Um, the woman you're maybe trying to see or trying to see naked, you know, she's going to think her house is haunted. She can't see it, but she can hear an, you know, an awful lot of noise. So you need uh, to, be, to be invisible. You also need uh, the power to be able to walk through walls. Uh, email uh, from the lovely William Stafford uh, his contribution uh, to this week's song Overkill. My song Overplay this week is the only Coldplay song I've ever been into The Mighty Viva La, uh, Viva La Vida A Fallen King is nostalgic for his past triumphs It is a song for all of us in reduced circumstances. Imagine my delight to find that my Eurovision favourite Alexander Ryback, pronounced Freeback Oh, I got that wrong. Uh, has covered this song and improved on it. Um, I, I have listened to this. It's very good. There are several recordings up on YouTube of varying sound quality, but there is something charming about his occasional lapses in English pronunciation. The violin-driven arrangement and the chanting towards the end suit his more Europop tendencies. I wonder if he feels a special attachment to the song, having been the Eurovision champion in 2009 with the all-time highest score, and now having to see less racks, such as talentless... Uh, something which Jedward vine for that same crown. Uh, Paul uh, Gaffey, our, our friend in Japan, uh, he's gone for We Were Wasted by the Leisure Society. I overkilled it after watching Paddy Considine, uh, Considine's uh, Tyrannosaur, I think that's a film, isn't it? And have given it heavy play once again. Strangely, it's the only song of theirs I have time for. I, I played this, I checked this out after Paul's email, and I thought at first it was rubbish. And... As I was playing it the first time, it suddenly hit a moment where uh, the song just changed for me. And I do like it. It's, uh, it's a really nice song. I've never heard of these guys. Uh, I might uh, check out more of their stuff when I have time. But uh, it's, it's, it's worth a listen. Uh, we were wasted by the Ledger Society. Um, Narnia EV80, she's, uh, uh, she's emailed in. Uh, Daniel, my song Overkill this week uh, is Go by Delilah lured me from the streets into a denim retailer something I'm not usually susceptible to contrary to my gender I'm not a lover of clothes shopping however I did need a new pair of jeans the song was just ending as I was spotted and descended upon by two sales assistants the first assistant asked if he could help me I told him in a polite manner I am polite she adds if he could put the previous song on as I didn't care much for the Rihanna track that was now playing I was the only customer in the shop so naturally he obliged by clicking of his fingers to the second sales assistant behind me. I suspect he'd done that before. This song uses Chucka Khan lyrics and I find Delilah's voice on this particular track quite hypnotic. Subsequently, I haven't found any more of her work I like and on most of her other songs her voice is too breathy and whiny for me. I don't like the dubstep remix or any of the, the other remixes of this song, just the original track. They left this song on repeat for me as I tried on 16 pairs of jeans. I left the shop with a song overkill and some dark blue skinnies, Levi's. Bold curve. Regards, Narnia. 
I listened to this. Um, funny comment on YouTube. Someone's uh, commented that the chorus sounds like porn. It's okay. It's 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 a decent song. Kind of uh, the fact it's a cover or, or using Chaka Khan lyrics kind of uh, diminishes my my liking for it. But it's certainly uh, worth a listen. Dubstep. Um, I'm troubled by that term. It's I've got friends in their forties and thirties uh, using this term. Uh, I see them, uh, you know, tweeting about it over the last few months, and I, I'm not even sure what it is. Dub music used to mean something else uh, back when I was a kid, so I don't know what dubstep is, but uh, it is a term for the young. It is a term for the young. It, it, it troubles me. I won't be using it. I think you might have just heard me trying to click away there from uh, that latest, uh, that last email. So that's uh, that's uh, this week's uh, song overkill. Uh, get your song overkills in. Email them in drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, Monday, the start of the week. Monday was uh, tough for me. Really had to dig deep. The weekend was hard as usual. In recent weeks, didn't see anyone. And uh, you know, Monday I was thinking about what I was saying last week. How I've been doing my best, but I'm realising that the credit crunch requires a new level of best. To stand any chance of coming through this it really does I, I don't know whether any of you out there who are listening and, and, and also uh, struggling uh, are finding that are finding that what might have got you out of this you know in years gone by is is, is no longer enough because things uh, out there are that bad I just find myself I've got you know no energy lethargic feeling demoralized uh, I took a long walk the other day uh, two-hour walk like I used to back in the summer just to try and clear my head I took another walk the following day no I come home I can barely lift the weights when I'm working out you know weights I usually lift with my eyes closed uh, actually my big arms they do make me less vulnerable in, the, uh, in these streets in the summer you know you're in a t-shirt people can see the arms they might think twice about tackling you about trying it on in winter though lost under all the layers I'm wearing I simply look like a man who can't handle the cold a man who signed up to 15 job sites and, and, and none of them are coming through for him. So I'm kind of, I'm barely staying awake during the day. I spent part of Monday afternoon actually just completely unfocused. I was wondering what kind of hairstyle I'd have if I was, uh, if I was black. And I was thinking I wouldn't have dreads. Uh, you'd have a, probably a bad hairline from years of having to tie it back. Traction alopecia. I saw a Stevie Wonder picture the other day. No one's told him how bad his hairline is now. I mean, he's practically bald. I guess they're thinking it's bad enough he's blind. He doesn't need to know how how much of a spam head he has now. Um, you know, and Alice Bands and, and Tiny Hair Back, it does do that. It does do that. I'm mindful of that. I'm, you know, I wear Alice Bands, uh, and, and it is something that worries me. Your, your hair shouldn't really be tied back like that day in, day out. And I saw a kid in Iceland, black kid, scanning items. He was actually, the queue was slowing down because what he would do is he was scanning one item and then he was opening a plastic bag, you know, getting them ready, uh, leaving bags for, for customers, so on, opening them, scanning something else in, opening another bag, and so on. Uh, and it gave me time, as the queue was so slow, it gave me time to look at his hair, faded, cropped on top, like Rio Ferdinand in his uh, days at Leeds, maybe a bit more on top. And I thought, yeah, if I did come back as a black guy, I'd probably start off with that as, as my hairstyle, probably start off with that. From there, without any segue whatsoever, I uh, recall a letter I'd read in my last job from a scientist who'd written in to dismiss the claims of modern cutting-edge hand dryers, the air blades of this world, um, 
that claimed to be 100% effective. And he was saying that his research had shown that these blades were still blowing uh, deposits of a certain nature onto people's hands. And I was thinking, if that's the best hand dryer on the market, then that pitiful thing at the cafe that I dry my hands on, God knows what that's blowing on my hands. Uh, my only uh, consolation there is that few people in there use it because hardly anyone washes their hands. Um, but I don't want to use it anymore, and yet I need the cafe, I need the regulars in there to know that I wash my hands. You've got the weak water flow in there, it's not picked up in the cafe over the dinner, the kids and the TV that's on all the time in there. So I piloted a new move. Um, what I'm doing, I'm still punching in the hand drive with the right shoulder, but I just shake the water off my hands now as the hand dryer's uh, playing out in the background. I'm just standing back. Then I emerge from the back, the hand dryer's just dying down. It can still be picked up outside in the cafe. And, uh, you know, I just want these people to know that I'm still washing my hands. I don't want them to think that I've, I've finally joined them in not washing my hands after going to the loo. But, you know, thinking about so many things, except what I need to be thinking about. Unmotivated, unfocused, going around the flat, flicking the, the finger at inanimate objects. I'm not sure what that's all about. I'm not sure where that's going. I suspect that if I was a, a, a monkey in a zoo, I might have reached the stage by now where I start chucking my own waste at visitors. I, I think that I think that might be where I'm at, mentally. I was telling myself on Monday that there'd been enough opportunities to set my life on the right course, and they'd all failed over the last four years, everything I'm throwing at this thing. And then I'm thinking that that kind of thinking, obviously, that, that doesn't help me. There is no choice but to push on. It is stressful, but there's no alternatives. No alternatives. It was good, though, to, to take that walk. I really should do more of that, but uh, I'm pretty disciplined with my days, usually. They're, they're very well structured. That's just, you know, that's why I'm, you know, at the end of each day, I'm, I'm just disappointed that there doesn't seem to be much change. I was feeling the, uh, the leg again. Had the, uh, I've had the sciatica since uh, before Christmas. It's a bit of a worry. I thought, you know, walking, taking a long walk, stretching the leg out would help. But it just, I started feeling that. That feels like a trapped nerve. Started feeling it again. Um, anyway, yesterday, Wednesday, I had a, had a job interview. Um, had a lovely email beforehand from William, the lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boyd. Um, Hello Daniel, sorry to hear about your battles with sciatica, I used to get it myself, brought about by stress, but since I stopped giving a damn I'm as lithe and flexible as a rubber ballerina. Uh, something that might uh, ameliorate your facial problem, the limited range of expressions at your disposal in interviews, which is something that I blogged about uh, on Tuesday night, I was concerned about that, I do find it very hard to look interested in things, even if I am, even if I am, and I was, you know, this particularly... Well, I'm unlikely to be interested in what I'm hearing at the interview, but I, I, I recognize that my facial expressions are a real drawback. So uh, William continues, um, if they say something in which you're supposed to express interest, don't leave it to your face. Nod and say, that's interesting. In fact, back up every reaction with a phrase that describes your reaction. I find that surprising. I like the sound of that and so on. This will help you to come across as level-headed. I know you don't particularly want these jobs you're going for, but it's always good to come away from an interview and believe you put yourself across well. I have the opposite problem with my face, says William. It is too expressive. I'm like Jim Carrey trying not to sneeze. I've had to take control of my face and try to adopt a neutral expression wherever I can. After years of practice, I am like Spock and give nothing away. 
can't read my can't read my can't read my poker face. Thank you for that, William. Um, I, I actually that was my second walk of the week. I walked all the way from here to uh, Belgravia. Nice sort of 30, 40 minute walk. I I, I tried to prepare for the interview. I, I read up on the website, um, and I just failed to remember lots of facts. I read up about. Uh, I can't retain info if it's of no interest to me. I think we covered that in Please Don't Hug Me 50 when Mickey was reading out the school reports and some teacher had commented that unless something is of interest to me, I don't seem to be able to retain that information. You know, that's someone writing that 25 years ago. I found a, a site the night before of uh, good interview questions to ask, but I didn't give those interview questions the facial expressions that they deserved. Uh, the good thing is, actually, uh, the interview, it was an interview and a test. The test was the first thing, and I thought I could be there for up to three hours. But I wasn't worried about needing to take a leak, given that, you know, it was only a couple of weeks back that I took that five-hour coach journey up north. Didn't go to the loo once there. Uh, and I thought, yeah, you know, I can do this. I can hold my bladder. That's what that journey has shown me. I'm disciplined. I've got that in me. So I had no fears on that front. The problem ahead of this uh, job interview, as explained last week, was the uh, job reference, the bad one from an ex-boss. I had found a way around that, and I thought, well, there's nothing to lose. What I'd done in the meantime is I'd actually lost the job spec when I'd actually applied for the job. And this was uh, on the back of meeting an old, old work colleague who very kindly uh, sorted out my CV and did a brilliant covering letter for me. And that same night, I actually saw this job, applied for it. It was the real sort of first test for the CV and I got the interview but it was a uh, you had to download a document from their site it was 15 pages but you only had to send seven it was rather confusing so basically I say, uh, saved the version with the seven pages that I needed consequently didn't save the version with the job spec went back to the website the job spec had gone because naturally the uh, cutoff point for uh, applications had uh, disappeared so I had no idea what job in uh, what job role I'd gone for that came up at the interview. I attempted to answer the question, and then I just had to say, well, look, this happened. So I think that might be where I'd lost it. And I turned up uh, with my coat pocket bulging. My right coat pocket was bulging, and I'm thinking, what is this? What am, you know, What is in there? And I, I, I put my hand in, and I had a big flashlight. And it's there because the door light downstairs is not working. So I come here at night, and I can't see a damn thing. So I've been taking the torch with me, shining it on the lock and finding the right key because I've got four keys. And I'd obviously forgotten about the torch, left it in my coat. And then I thought, well, maybe given my lack of facial expressions, my lack of uh, genuine responses, maybe when they ask me something, I should just pull the torch out, flash it during the interview, some sort of autistic way of acknowledging that I am indeed listening to them. The interview was in Belgravia, beautiful historical building. Um, I walked past Chester Square which uh, regular listeners uh, might remember is where my mum used to work. When uh, my sister and I were kids, we'd go there during the holidays. Big old house, six floors. Uh, 66 Chester Square, big black door, still there. Woman at the window, because uh, the house is right on the corner. And I walked right past it, and I looked back. Woman at the window cleaning. 30 years ago, I was thinking, that was my mum. You know, that was my mum at that window. That was a moment. And uh, walked past uh, the garden square there. Every square that I was walking past naturally had its own garden squares. 
and I'm walking through Chester Square and I stopped there at the uh, Garden Square and I thought, you know, yeah, if I, if, going back to that musical tour of Garden Squares I was talking about last week, I was thinking I'd start here, this square. My mum used to walk the house dog here. She used to be given keys to go into the squares for residence only. Daisy, an excitable spaniel. Uh, my, my, my dislike of dogs was present even then, so uh, uh, my mum would always keep the dog away from me. And uh, uh, five, ten minutes before the interview, I really should uh, should have been making some last-minute... Uh, maybe preparing a bit better for the interview in those last five, ten minutes. See what else I could, I could read up on and what else might register in me that I could bring up at the interview. And instead, I found myself leaning over the railings and obsessing over where exactly I would position the band and who would be in it. And I was thinking, Mickey... Probably have Mickey as a guitarist. He he does play a bit of guitar. I think he'd play the guitar quite high up, like Barney Sumner. You know that kind of jazz guitar playing style. Possibly to hide his belly, maybe. Uh, possibly because he's a you know he'd be a rhythm uh, rhythm guitarist. And I, I I suspect that Mickey would be annoyingly excitable on stage. I suspect he'd dance on stage with his guitar like the guitarist uh, from the Fold. I'd probably be thinking as the band leader, how can I tell him to be a bit classier and more low-key on stage without offending him and I suspect as he's dancing he's probably sweating bucket loads his, his t-shirt would be drenched in the summer from all the moving around so I got to the interview um, I was okay I thought maybe I, I might have been the wild card of all the ones that they were seeing and I think at the end that the thing that did count against me was probably not having the job spec uh, also, I had trouble with the uh, one of the interviewers. It was uh, two people. One of them kept covering his mouth every time he was talking to me, and I couldn't hear him. And uh, it was a very uh, tough interview. It really was a tough interview. I think I must have been in there half an hour. The test took me half an hour. Uh, at one point, in response to a question they hit me with, and I think it was the second of bad question that I answered. Um, well, the second question rather that I answered badly and I stared down at the table I took a long pause and I was aware of that I was aware that I was struggling started moving my left hand about you know like I was building up to something momentous and I was struggling and from somewhere I brought out the biggest load of bullshit I've come up with so far this year that wasn't a, that wasn't a good moment but overall I felt that uh, the interview it was a decent interview uh, the lose there, no way I think I could have gone out. I'd probably had to use uh, the lose at Victoria Coach Station, which uh, would have cost me 30p a go, which would have been a, a problem in that I was told at this job they don't pay for overtime. You get your uh, whatever hours you work, you get back in lieu as time off. It wasn't open plan either. There was a little corner I was shown where I would be working if I got the job. I, actually, bizarrely, I was introduced to everyone that I might be working with if I got the job, which I thought was pointless. If they were doing that with everyone and they were interviewing a dozen people, then everyone who's already working there, their days were going to be disrupted by having to meet someone they might never see again. I thought that was pointless. Uh, the guy I would have been working with, had a, he was dressed casually, open neck shirt, hairy chest, uh, patchy tash like me which, uh, uh, actually, I should have checked this word out, the pronunciation. Is it vitiligo? I'm not sure how you say that word. But what that is, Apache beard, Apache tash, uh, is basically uh, down to dietary deficiencies. And I sometimes get that. Or when you're very stressed, you get a patch in your tash. I had that back in the summer. I've got it again now. 
look, I mean, I would have taken the job without hesitation. The job didn't start till April, but I would have taken it. It was a 13-month contract, maternity cover. I'm disappointed not to get it. I think the the person that I am, I'm always going to struggle to to prepare properly for interviews. Um, like William said, under the circumstances, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, William said, you know, give it your best shot. Come out there feeling like you gave it your best shot, and I think I did. I had two bad moments in the interview. I was expecting to perform worse. I think I can learn from it. The new CV, the new covering letter, thanks to to this old colleague. Uh, you know, they're giving me a chance. Got an unexpected call as well a, a couple of days ago from a, a job I didn't actually recall applying for, and uh, so I've got a second interview tomorrow. I've got that to prepare for, which really I should be preparing for that instead of doing this now. But you know, this is me. Uh, this is what I'm like. Uh, doesn't look like I'm going to be uh, delivering a significantly shorter show either. I just got so much bottled up, you know, you give me a headset, I'm going to talk. The woman uh, calling me about tomorrow's show, uh, tomorrow's show, tomorrow's interview, um, didn't give me much info. I had to email her back to actually confess that I had no idea what the job spec was. So I know tomorrow already I'm, I'm starting from a bad place. That was a, another screw-up on my part. I've got to at least deliver a good interview to, to stand any chance. Location-wise... Not the easiest place to get to would require a couple of buses or an overground. Um, so that's, you know, it, it, I can't be fussy, basically. Wherever I need to work, that's where I'm going to have to go. 12.30, strange interview time, lunchtime. Two interviews in three days, have to shave twice in 48 hours. That's another problem, especially with these Poundland razors. And you've got to put a shirt on, you've got to do the tie-up, your neck gets sore. But uh, going back to the 12.30 interview time... I, if I was a boss, that wouldn't happen. I'd, I'd probably haul my secretary in to explain why she'd uh, scheduled a lunchtime interview. You know, why do we want to be here in stomach rumbles? It may be that I prepare, uh, if I'm the boss, if I'm the interviewer, I prepare by having a quick sandwich beforehand, but I'd be in the office. The interviewee is making their way from God knows where. They probably won't have had lunch. You know, once we're colleagues, uh, a year from now we get used to each other's stomach rumbles if we're working in a small area, you know, sharing an office, fine. But not at this stage. The last uh, job to kick me out about three years ago, I was only in there for a day, actually. Actually, they didn't kick me out of that one. I got kicked out before that one, and I left this one. But she had me in her office. I was basically her bitch, and I thought, you know, we were in there all day. She was the boss. She wasn't taking lunch. I could hear her stomach rumbles. I thought, you're the boss, you can change this. I can't. I'm only going to be allowed to go to lunch when you tell me I can go to lunch. I wanted to walk out, but I'd made the fateful mistake of bringing my bag to work that day. I couldn't sneak out with the bag. Why would I take the big bag with me? It was a big bag. Why would I take the big bag with me if I'm just going out to get a sandwich? Why do I need the bag? It would have looked like I wasn't coming back, which I wouldn't have been. And I learned from that, and ever since then I've ne uh, never taken a bag to work on a first day. I always go to a, a new job thinking, well, if I don't like it, I just come back. That's it. Just get my coat, go at lunchtime. That's all. Or pretend I'm a smoker and I'm going out for a cigarette 10.30 in the morning and I need my coat if it's a, uh, a job that starts in the winter. That's how I think. That's what I'm trying to change. There's no way I can do that with the next job. Onwards and upwards anyway. Interview tomorrow. Let's see how that goes.
I do get stressed out by living on my own. Because you don't have a sounding board. Things can spiral out of control. It's just you. There's no one telling you, look, calm down, or the situation isn't this bad, whatever. You have to find that within yourself. And when I might have some chest pains or whatever, when I'm stressed out, when I've been overdoing it, or you know, when I'm getting myself into a state, I have to calm myself down. Sometimes I go to bed at night and I'll, you know, I feel some discomfort and I think, what if something happens to me? You know, I keep my mobile on during the night in case I need to call, make an emergency call. I think if something happens to me, who's going to know here? How long before they find me? The person that finds me, you know, will they use the loo as they wait for the paramedics to come? The paramedics take ages. What, you know, will they? Will they be in the flat long enough to hear how embarrassingly long it takes for the water tank to fill up after flushing the loo? And then whilst I'm there, lifeless on the floor or in bed, they're going to be thinking, man, this poor guy, he could never have brought a girl over, not in that new relationship. It would be too embarrassing. Look how long that water tank's taken to fill up. What could he say to a woman when you got that as a backdrop? If someone's dead in the other room, would you even consider taking a leak under such circumstances? Even if you needed to. I mean, you have to... Bad enough that you've walked in on a dead person once, but you have to then prepare yourself to see that site twice. I've seen dead bodies. I've had to let paramedics in. You leave the body once, you go down, you open the door, you let them in, you go back. You're going back in there to that room with whoever's lying in that room, and you have to prepare yourself to see that same site all over again. It doesn't get easier. Earlier today, earlier this morning, I mean, I've got an inspection of the flat on the 21st, uh, inspecting all the flats. Uh, The guy opposite me is obviously worried too. He was washing his windows. I was washing my windows this morning. I can't get round the the back of the window, uh, on any of the windows really. I'm two floors up. I'm not going to pay for a window cleaner, not right now, not until I leave the flat. I'm thinking if I fall out here two floors up, how long before you, the listeners, become aware of what's happened to me? Would you just assume that the podcast had ended? That I tired of not being in the iTunes charts? Are there any of you who would go out of your way to find out where I was? Would Paul Gaffey in Japan break up with a Cameroonian ex-stripper he's currently sleeping with to come all the way to South London to learn the truth? Love, Lost, Lattes, SW8, London, Home of Fried Chicken, and Knife Crime. This is the Daniel Riz Tyson Podcast, show 47. Happy birthday to my old great childhood friend, Nellie Jenkins, who hit 40 on Sunday. Can it really have been 35 years since uh, me and my cousin, the rabbit, went to uh, Nellie's fifth birthday in Clapham? Happy birthday, Nellie. Um, I was reading up uh, this week uh, an eight-hour Gatsby play coming to London. Uh, word for word from the novel. Eight hours. Uh, it's set in an office. Apparently one guy reads it to his colleagues and gradually they all become the uh, characters from the novel. There's a 90-minute break for lunch. I'm thinking, you know, I, I think that's very ambitious. It's been massively lauded. I'd love to go. 90-minute break for lunch. That's good. But... I think stomach rumbles would concern me. You know, that's that's still eight hours. You've got to be in the theatre. Theatres are, are quieter than cinemas. I don't know. Would you be allowed to eat during the show? I'd have to break my rules. I don't think I could just sit there relying on a 90-minute break for lunch. And I certainly wouldn't go there on a date because I think you'd be hearing all sorts of stomach rumbles and uh, whatever. It's too much. I think uh, great idea, but but not one for me. 
some some good news uh, this week. Uh, possibility that I might be doing some live radio, an online show, online version of this show. Uh, talks scheduled for early March. Uh, we'll keep you posted. I do want to build on the live radio experience that I have. Haven't done any for years. That was a disaster, which might explain why I haven't done any for years. But uh, yeah, I will keep you informed of that. Uh, I was in a cafe last night, uh, as I am every night. Uh, what I do at night, uh, the midday session, that's for the novel. Uh, the uh, late, sorry, yeah, the late afternoon, early evening session, uh, that's for the stand-up. So I'm, uh, you know, working on the stand-up, getting somewhere, still, still missing that breakthrough moment. It's not quite there yet. Sat down at the usual table. A couple sat to my left. Look sort of pissed off that I'd sat where I was. They were obviously uh, sat where they'd sat for some privacy. They had no idea that's my usual spot. I'd never seen them in there before. That's my table. That's where I'm sitting. It did look like I was eaves, uh, eavesdropping. They came across as a sort of new couple. You know, they looked very excited with each other, very giggly, lots of touching. Kind of about that. You could tell they probably just discovered each other's bits. You know, they're, they're, they're reveling in each other's bits. They're touching each other's bits at any opportunity. They can't keep their hands off each other in public we've all been there we've all been there it's it's nice it's exciting i could hear them it wasn't my intention i was trying to focus on my stand-up but it did struck uh, did strike me that from what i'd heard that the man was too soft with her i've been there you know she looked like she was at times taking the piss a bit if someone's going to get hurt in that relationship odds on it's going to be him i think if anything it just looked like he was uh, too in love with her Time now for a, a, a Nectar Points update. Actually, first of all, remember last week I was uh, telling you how I'd uh, dropped my gum outside the, uh, the the gates to my building and I'd fashioned uh, a container for my gum out of the uh, Basics Range uh, black pepper tub that, I, that I'd that uh, i purchased for about 30p. I, I put that uh, pepper in the uh, original pepper container that I had I'm telling you, I'm either going down with some laryngitis that isn't breaking through, or that basics range pepper is a step too far. Something is really hurting my throat, and I'm trying to use less pepper in my uh, in my food because uh, I think it might be an issue with the pepper, the quality of pepper that I'm using. Uh, Nectar points update: opening balance today, 285 points earned, eight closing balance of 293 kind of slowed down but uh, if you remember last week's so spectacular 112 points i think earned um so i'm kind of pleased it, it is slowing down now it is slowing down also uh made a note to myself not to look so smug in the shop when i'm ticking off the tin of salad crisp corn off the shopping list it's only uh you know 140 grams drained weight there's you know it's the cheapest tin of corn on the market there's there's no reason for me to be looking that smug uh, disappointed to see kidney beans up by 5p i don't know how much longer i can't uh, you know i can stay with sainsbury's uh, price rises you know 3p on the diet blue bolt range 5p on the kidney beans uh, bread's going up uh mixed uh mixed uh best of both that's it best of both was my old loaf that's gone up recently 10p i mean these people are just killing you did they have to pass those costs on to the customers it's uh, it's frustrating very frustrating thank god for the uh, carry on screaming film at the weekend which i think was on itv4 i love that film i love that film i grew up on carry on films um i think the same for probably many uh kids of immigrants uh 
it's the carry on films uh, and the doctor on uh, the doctor films uh, with Leslie Phillips easily accessible to immigrants that whole slapstick stuff uh, Sid James they used to call him uh, the Spanish used to call him El Dragon because I think he was a uh, part of a family called the Dragons in some ITV series in the 70s might have been the last TV work that he did and I love this film. Um, Sid James was unavailable for the film. He was doing some theatre work. Harry H. Corbett, who was absolutely brilliant and it stood in at late notice, uh, still called his character Sid. Sid James's characters were all called Sid in the carry-on films. Um, I think Harry H. Corbett might have been in one other carry-on film, but I can't remember which, but I thought he was superb. I, I've no doubt that Sid James, had he been in it because of his role, because of his place in the pantheon of carry-on, uh, the film probably would have been even bigger. But what I love about Carry On Screaming, um, actually, uh, well, Fenella Fielding obviously is the obvious starting point. Too much makeup, uh, I was I was thinking, but uh, ten minutes in, I'm thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still do it. Um, but what I like especially about this film is that so much of the regular cast were missing. It's a very small cast. It's a homage to the uh, Hammer House of Horror films that were big in the '60s. It was made, I think. 46 years ago this month it was made. They shot it very quickly, February 1966. I've always loved watching shows where you can feel someone's absence. It gave, uh, for example, NYPD Blue Series 2 a certain tragic beauty. It had a certain tragic beauty after Caruso had gone. Um, I'm struggling to talk here. I've got like a... Again, I don't know if it's this pepper. Something has like burned my throat. Something's burned my tongue. I've been gargling salted water. And it's not really doing much. Anyway, back to Carry On Screaming. Obviously the soundtrack, great soundtrack. I think for years they thought Jim Dale, who was in the film, they thought that Jim Dale had actually sung the soundtrack. He confirmed that it wasn't him. Interestingly, the Americans asked for Charles Hawtrey. He wasn't actually slated to appear in the film. Um, he's in it. He's only in it for 10, 15 minutes. It feels like they crowbarred him in. Because uh, they got rid of him very quickly. Um, I love the fact that his flat was in the back of the public toilets and that he could see people walking above his flat and he knew everyone in the area. Brilliant, brilliant character. I think uh, my favourite Charles Hawtrey role is in Carry On Screaming. So they got rid of him very quickly. Um, but yeah, that film kept me going. I think it, it's a it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, the the a conclusion of the film when they're uh, uh, they're in the castle and they're being chased by the uh, monsters. Well, not chased. The monsters are very slow, but the monsters are breaking through the doors. Oddbod and uh, Oddbod Junior and all the missing fingers and the missing ears. Um, I think it's a it was a sort of a House of Wax tribute, wasn't it? It was a very similar plot line. But very, very funny. Very funny film. Uh, and also The Sweeney. I've got into The Sweeney. Uh, as you know, uh, Mickey uh, loves the show. Uh, I saw the film at the weekend, the first film, with uh, Barry Foster doing a terrible American accent. But it was a decent film. I'd seen bits of it before. But I've never watched the show properly. And I, I've now started watching the first series. And I've seen the first couple of episodes, including the pilot. I've got to say, it still stands up. Well, uh, I, I don't know if it does, actually. I, I never saw it originally, so uh, I'm wrong there. But I like it, and it still works. I've, I've got no problem committing to watching all four series, because I, I really like what I've seen. And I can only begin to imagine what a huge impact it had in 75 when it was launched, because it must have been very different from cop shows of that era. And, you know, I love 70s London. I'm a, you know, I was born in the 70s. And Mickey and I, we were talking the other night on the phone, and talking about the London that you see in the Sweeney, uh, the Sweeney that you see in the professionals. And these would have been the first things we saw as a kid. And London is certainly greyer 
more concrete. You can tell that there was less money about. You see the old cars, and it's just nostalgia. These would have been the first things that we saw as children. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Uh, I saw last night's episode, which uh, wasn't the pilot. It was the first episode proper, and uh, it was set in Peckham, partly in uh, Peckham Rye. Peckham Rye Station appears. Um, Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Now time for uh, job specs. Uh, One job spec that took my attention this week. A series of questions included among them excellent speech and appearance. And I'm thinking, you know, I saw that and I thought, who's going to tick no? Who would tick no on that and expect to be in the running for an interview? Then there was another one which I thought was a bit pretentious. Uh, Architect's assistant. And uh, in the job spec it said, architects are quite special people. And I'm thinking, really? Nurses? Nurses are special people to me. Cleaners, people who get up four or five in the morning to do crap jobs, they've got my respect. Architects, special, talented, yes, certainly talented, but special, come on, come on. Also noticed an unusually high demand for languages, seriously, uh, in all my job hunting in the past, sporadic job hunting, um, never noticed such a demand for languages now, particularly Mandarin. And uh, it just makes you think, you know, if you were one of the apostles, you'd be cleaned up by now because uh, these jobs are, uh, the hourly rates on these jobs are very, very good. If you come across any ridiculous job specs, uh, please do email them in drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Put uh, job specs in the subject header. Uh, Just before we leave uh, job specs this week, uh, I have noticed uh, inconsistencies on the same sites with the word coordinator, sometimes with a hyphen, sometimes without. I'd be curious to know how to spell this properly. Which is the way to go with coordinator? Let me know. What else? Uh, reading up. I was reading up about the uh, captain of the uh, Costa Concordia ship, uh, cruiser, cruise liner, whatever it is, who's uh, the Italian guy looking at 12 years in prison. Uh, the supposed young girlfriend of his, she's, what, 25, and I'm reading that he might be going down for 12 years. You know, you go down for 12 years, I think he's in his late 30s or early 40s. He knows, you know, she's 25, she's not going to wait. She's not going to give up her best bedroom years to wait for this guy, uh, who's already, from, from what I recall, not got the best hairline. Uh, part of the attraction might have been that he was a, uh, a skipper on a ship, He's certainly not going to have that kind of uh, high-profile role when he gets out of prison. He's going to be struggling for employment. You know, I'm just thinking, uh, I don't know. I don't have much sympathy for this guy, but it is going to kill him, being locked up, knowing she's getting banged by guys. It's going to kill him. Because, you know, he could have been with her now, and she would have given him two or three years. She would have picked up those skills. She would have got tired of him. He would have got a bit too old for her. She'd have noticed his, you know, he's starting to develop man tits and all that kind of stuff. But he could have got two or three years out of her. Instead, his actions uh, uh, have put him in a situation where he's, uh, you know, going to be spending uh, some some number of years in prison. She's not waiting. She's not waiting. He knows she's not waiting. My aunt, uh, my aunt came to visit last Friday. Uh, came in with her trolley. I put it in the uh, the hallway, the antechamber. Uh, she simply picked it up, put it in the kitchen. I, I tried not to look at the wheels. And then we walked to the cafe. South Lambeth Road, if you remember last week, I told you, got hit badly by dogs. And uh, I'm pointing out on the way there, I'm pointing out the stalls from that week. Stalls whose coordinates I'd committed to memory. 
and I'm telling my aunt, look, watch that, watch that there, lift the trolley. She's just telling me, uh, it's okay, don't worry, it's dry. I'm thinking, it's dry, so it's okay to wheel the trolley over that just because it's dry? And I was thinking, is that what she's done with that trolley on the way to mine? What must those wheels have gone over on the way to mine? They should come up with uh, electrical paving stones that emit a charge every time a dog attempts to uh, soil a paving stone. Or, you know, when you get one of these idiots dumping one of their fried chicken bones on the ground in spite of the fact that they've just walked past a bin, you know, the charge from the, the paving stone shoots the bone right back into their moronic faces. You know, eating on the street is uh, one of my pet hates. It says so much about someone. You have a house, you have a kitchen, you have a cooker, use it. Every night round here, the same people hanging around, eating on the streets or queuing up in these chicken shops. You know, straight away, you know these people aren't watching BBC4. Straight away. Anyway, uh, the same day, staying with last Friday, same day my aunt came round, I had the arse man pay a, a late afternoon visit, and uh, he was shocked by the cold, and he came round just after five the storage heating had gone and uh you know that's keeping it on the lowest sorry the highest setting uh and it's gone uh so i, I turn it on the maximum setting to actually uh, draw in heat so it's on six but then i only let heat out on the, the bottom notch so that it lasts as long as it possibly can by five o'clock it's gone and i'm you know i'm walking around in uh like I say, I'm walking around in six layers. It's taken me forever to get around the flats. It's like I'm walking, walking around in a bomb disposal suit. Moving towards the end of this week's show now. Uh, an exhibition I want to draw your attention to. Emma Jane Richards, a photographer, local photographer, did the revamped uh, logo for the show last year. Uh, uh, summer. Um, she wasn't actually impressed with what I was wearing. Actually, funnily enough, uh, I had to sign on the other day. Wasn't aware that you had to dress up for that. Um, and I was told, look, if you need money for clothes, we can help you. That, was, uh, that wasn't that was the best way to start the week. Anyway, uh, Emma Jane Richards, photographer, um, South London-based photographer. Uh, she's got an exhibition on, uh, along with a number of other photographers, uh, called the uh, Cinematic Flash Exhibition. It's a collaborative photographic exhibition. The artists involved have taken inspiration from one of the most accessible forms of visual art, the motion picture. And uh, the blurb says, in translating what has been rendered in the moving image into a static one, they have worked to distill some of the most powerful aspects of the photographic art. Um, I do expect probably to see uh, one or two people there wearing uh, glasses when they don't need to see glasses. That aside, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, Emma's work. Uh, she's a brilliant photographer, uh, set for big things did the show uh, uh, a great favour last year with uh, with a new logo. Uh, go in and see it. Let me just see if I can find the address for you. I prepared this earlier. Why why do I not have the address? I'm going to have to put this on uh, pause and get you the address. So disorganised. So disorganised. Okay, here we go. I've got the details here for you. Uh, the exhibition is at the Long White Cloud Cafe, uh, 151 Hackney Road, London, E28JL. Um, what else can I tell you about it? I, I don't know how to get there. I know that if you're travelling from the sort of Vauxhall area, I think the 344 might get you somewhere near there. Obviously, uh, I don't know how many of the uh, listeners, you listeners, are from uh, London. Uh, the exhibition... Have I got these details? What is going on here? When does the exhibition run till? 
the first time I tried to do a plug on the show. Uh, I don't know when this exhibition runs till. Let me see if I've got an email. Okay. Um, right. Okay. It's free entry. It is free entry. Right. What else have I got here? For crying out loud. Okay. The show is running until the 5th of March. Okay. The show is running until the 5th of March. Uh, if you... Can you see it on Facebook? I don't know. Type in cinematic flash photographic on Facebook. See if it comes up. But it's at the Long White Cloud Cafe 151 Hackney Road. And uh, you can follow Emma Jane Richards uh, on Facebook. Okay. You don't follow people on Facebook. You ask to be their friends. What am I talking about? I've. It's an exhibition. She's a good photographer. Go and see the exhibition if you're nearby. There you go. I don't think I'm going to do any more of these plugs in future. That was stressful. That was stressful. Emails, uh, emails this week. Annie, Annie is still with us. Uh, she's probably trying to find the next big thing. Might be taking her a while. If you remember, uh, Annie is uh, from the states. I'm hoping that we can hang on to her at least until I break off from the show uh, after show 52. Hello, Daniel. Annie writes, uh, hoping this note finds you well and feeling productive. Below are a few questions for you to consider. Hopefully you still don't mind my asking random things. I enjoy hearing your thoughts and answers. You're funny. Uh, when was the last time you tried something totally new and out of your comfort zone? Um, I don't know. I think maybe the, uh, the trip up north a couple of weeks ago springs to mind. Um, not something I would normally... Do. Beyond that, I can't really think. I tend normally not to do things that I know are going to make me uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't really see the point in stepping out of my comfort zone because my discomfort when I'm uncomfortable is so huge. So that might be the most uh, obvious example. I think, you know, you're, you're going to people's houses, you, you, you don't know how big the house is. I certainly wouldn't have gone up north if the uh, house hadn't been as big as it was because of, uh, you know, what I think uh, you... Americans would refer to as uh, bathroom issues. Uh, what do you wish you had more money or courage to do or try? The first one I think is obvious. I just I don't need more money than I need. Uh, I'm not a materialistic guy. I think because of the type of person that I am, I need enough money to be able to buy my own house so I don't have to deal with latent agents and landlords. That is a, a huge problem for me. It's a, it's a flaw in my makeup. I can't deal with people that can't do their job properly or don't particularly care for doing it properly. Uh, I don't like dealing with people for whom money is a big thing and landlords uh, by their nature, you know, the whole buying property to let, that, that really does jar with me. I don't like that. Yeah, you know, you buy a house, live in it. Don't buy a house to be renting it out to other people. You know, don't be greedy. Buy your house, live in it, enjoy your life. So I don't like these people. So I need enough money, I think, to be able to remove myself from that and not have that stress. And if I have problems with a flat, it's down to me. And I wouldn't buy a house. I think I'd buy a flat, probably. I don't want to be dealing with the uh, gardens and all that stuff. I've covered all that in uh, earlier shows. Beyond that, I, I just want enough money to not be wasting my time as I have to um, applying for jobs that I don't want to do that I that I can't really do I want the money that I had perhaps a bit more so I can keep going uh, the money that I had a few years ago where I can devote my time all the time 
to to write in and get my career back on track but also to have a bit more money so that I can just enjoy my life as well to get that work-life balance right and to be able to enjoy it and you know ideally to enjoy it with someone maybe in the future um, and be at ease with myself and to stop trying to push myself too much but obviously you know I need money to get into that situation and uh, that's that's uh, well that's I don't even know if that's a way away it's 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 there it's a situation that I need to try and resolve what do you wish you had uh, the courage to try I don't know decisions you can always look back and find regrets and certainly the type of person I was uh, I, I, I think sometimes I've just walked away from things when perhaps I should have pursued them harder shouldn't have taken no for an answer often I didn't even I wasn't even told no I just didn't wait for the no and I just walked off so sometimes I wish I was more courageous in the face of rejection that I could actually confront that rejection rather than just walk away and be sustained by the hope that I'd never actually been rejected by a person or by a situation. Sorry, just uh, had a break off there, take a call from another agency uh, offering me uh, another role which uh, would involve uh, a drop of about a third of my last salary. Uh, they know what I'm looking for, what I can't do. I think I'm being reasonable in... Uh, the pay cut that I'm prepared to take, but they always still charge their arm. It's uh, it's quite frustrating. Um, sorry, just uh, before I get back to Annie's email, I I, I still don't think I've I've got the full details of uh, Emma's uh, exhibition right. Um, it starts tonight. It starts tonight. It's from six o'clock, and it's running through to the fifth of March. And I've already given you the details of where it's at. Okay, getting back to Annie's email. You could teach something. What would you teach? What would I teach? I don't know. I'm going to have to come back to that one. Um, how old would you be if you didn't know your real age? Uh, regular listeners will know that uh, I don't look over 30. I think the grey and temples now are, are taking me the other side of 30. That's frustrating. That's I think the last uh, three, four years have started to age me. I now just look maybe 10 years younger than I than I do than I am rather uh, maybe 31 maybe 32 I feel my age though um, too many mental scars I, I do feel my age if you could teach something what would you teach God, that is a good question uh, I think I'd go around jobs off the top of my head I'd go around jobs uh, look at their floor layouts for them and uh, try and get their uh, uh, toilet visibility issues sorted out. Uh, covered in uh, the uh, very first Please Don't Hug Me, worked out a place, the last role, where you could see everyone using the loose. It was an open plan office, you know, which is my preferred type of office. But ideally, I, I think the loose should be on a completely different floor. Completely different floor. You know, basement ideally. Even if uh, even if you have to take a lift down from the fiftieth floor to the basement, you know, you don't want to be seeing people uh, coming in and out of the loo, disappearing for twenty minutes, coming back and talking to you about calendars and booking meeting rooms. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't work for me. That I'd just be thinking about where that colleague has been. So I think I'd probably uh, go and meet with employers and 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 ask them to sort that side of things out. Getting quite distracted as I 
come towards the end of this week's uh, show. Again, like you know, my priority should be preparing for this interview tomorrow. This is this is typical of me doing this instead. Uh, Paul Gaffey, our friend in Japan, making serious incursions with women from around the globe. Paul uh, works out there, but you'd be forgiven for thinking he's just gone out there uh, for sex. Uh, Daniel, Paul, uh, Paul writes, uh, nice to hear the mention on your show. Another hour and change well spent. It'll be a sad day when it shortens. I don't think that's going to be this week, Paul. Uh, we've gone over the hour mark already. Uh, your analogy of me being a slightly over-the-hill midfielder rinsing a few five-figure seasons out of the J-League is an incredibly generous one. I'll take it, although in the spirit of honesty, I should say I'm more like an Ali Dyer character, uh, lucking his way into the game through guile and circumstance. Thankfully, so far, I've had a longer run than he had at Southampton. Ali Dyer was the uh, player. Didn't he, uh, I think, tell Graeme Souness he was a cousin of George Weir? Uh, Soonest was the Southampton manager at the time and played him as a sub and had to substitute him. He was so bad and he was never heard of again. Um, Paul continues, there are a number of Japanese women who strongly express an interest in non-mongoloids. I love that word. I love that word. Uh, and there are websites in existence that put the two groups together. I would confidently wager every nectar point you own on an end to your drought with Asian ladies should you sign up for such a site. Uh, it's interesting because I think like most guys here in, uh, in England, you'd think Asian uh, is really sort of Indian women, Indian, Asian women, Pakistani women. Uh, I think Asian uh, bracketing Japanese women as Asian is kind of a very American thing, isn't it? Am I right here? Have I got this wrong? Anyway, uh, Paul continues, uh, uh, and enter your drought with Asian ladies should you sign up for such a site. Even from the UK, you could probably meet someone online and have her fly over to you, like some kind of intercontinental order for delivery. An attractive and successful female pharmacist once told me she was having several distance relationships with men in the UK. She would visit them on holiday and entertain herself with Skype video calls in between. The mind boggles at the content of those video calls. I'd say... The thing that appeals to me about Oriental women, Paul, is that I guess it'd be no trouble to have them remove their shoes before coming into your house. I'm assuming that wouldn't be an issue. Is that how it works out there? Uh, I'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, so I think from a sort of hygiene point of view, it's um, it's it, it's something that, uh, you know, I wouldn't discount purely from that point of view. Like I say, I don't have what you refer to last week as a yellow fever in terms of world fair paul continues you have right to assume i have a few qualms uh, sorry i have few qualms i quite like sushi particularly sea urchin and i've eaten fried locust whale and raw horse raw horse i have never heard that before what the hell do you have raw horse with uh, as I often listen to your podcast on my commute, I had to stifle a laugh when you addressed the issue of bushmeat. Oddly enough, the Cameroonian and I had talked at length on the subject days before. She insists it's delicious, but I remain unconvinced. Although I try very hard to be open-minded about food, eating something about one chromosome away from human is a culinary step too far. Uh, Paul then uh, mentions his most valued possession. Uh, remember I said last week, uh, I said I had a, a watch uh, and a little elephant ornament um, that were among my most valued possessions. Paul says, two watches that belong to my dad who passed, uh, passed away a few years ago. Neither of them are particularly my cup of tea, but I like to wear them on occasion. Uh, towards the end of his email, Paul refers to the sound, uh, a reference to a sound I made towards the end of last week's show, which I said maybe ought to be labelled. I had no idea what kind of sound it was or why I'd made it. Uh, Paul says, I'm not sure it should be labelled. Some sounds we make need to stay ambiguous. I think the sound deserves a mystique. Your friend in Japan, Paul Gaffey. Hey, Paul, I'm going to play you a sound from show 45 
picked up by my old school pal John C, who uh, texted me and said, uh, "Oh, uh, lovely! Something along the lines of lovely to listen to uh, uh, the legend uh, Bruce Forsyth uh, on show 45 around 53 minutes and 40 seconds. Have a listen to this." That was me on show show 45. Great spot there by uh, John C. Uh, let's let's just have a listen to it in full. Dell, which was good. Hot chocolate, not so good. Uh, the hot chocolate was great, but you know I can't be going down the hot chocolate route again. You know, any addiction. What the hell was that? What was I doing? Will that happen again? I don't know. Apologies for that. It's a, it's a, it's a strange sound. I think that's me uh, done for this week. Uh, please support the show by rating and reviewing it on iTunes if you have an account with them. Thanks to those of you who already have. You can also listen to the show on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud. You've got the Facebook group that you can join. Uh, contact the show. Email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Join the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast group on... F- oh, f- f- so, uh, you know... Uh, the, the the last 20 minutes of this show have been shambolic. Absolutely shambolic. I can only apologise. Uh, you can also uh, keep in touch with the show via the uh, the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Uh, details of how to order shows, 1 to 44 now, uh, are on the blog. Uh, next week's show, get your song overkills in via email. Thanks for listening. It keeps me coming back. Eat well, stay warm, be happy. Basically, all the things I'm failing to do. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Next week, people. Next week.